Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Weather is improving. La Nina v Summer, Matt Campbell. Happy to announce that Summer is leading and winning this battle. Great to have listeners listening through SEN 1575 in the Illawarra and through the SEN app. I'm Matt Russell with two T's. You're Matt Campbell with one T. I am. Yes, I have, and I'm glad to be back in Wollongong, and it's great to see the sun actually shining. I was worried this morning when I got up, but it was good to see that wind blowing it away. But I've been down in Victoria, I was in Canberra before that, so racking up the Ks uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yes, that's right, so Ballarat and Bendigo. Um, yeah, we well, grew up in Bendigo, obviously, so um, spent um, my childhood down there until I was 17, and then... Yeah, made my way back up here to the Illawarra and um, spent some time um, obviously playing basketball. But uh, it was good to be back and good to see mum and dad down there for my brother's birthday, who was 50. Well, let's go through what we've got on today's show. We're going to speak to a, a Wollongong champion very shortly who's representing us on the Not international stage. When it comes to uh, basketball, Sydney v Illawarra tonight with plenty of uh, banter, back and forth, lots of controversy. Dory Kordahi, who's part owner of the Illawarra Hawks will join us. Bobby Steeler is along to talk about some big events he has coming up. Tim Barrow will join us from the Illawarra Mercury. Stu Taggart will talk about the World Road Championships next year. Justin Edwards is along from Fox Sports News to talk cricket. And of course, Greg Kerr will talk about a big week for the Wollongong Golf Club. But Matty, when it comes to the news of the day, I suppose we're looking forward to day four of this first Ashes. Oh, absolutely. England to resume, trailing by 58, but the back Escape route with Joe Root on the back page of the Sydney Morning Herald and Empire Strikes Back again, applauding, applauding the efforts of Joe Root along with Darwood Marlin, both in their 80s and giving the POM some hope today. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was going to be all over, as did everybody else. But, um, yeah, the fight back was being extraordinary from England. And it's, um, I mean, it's good to see they had a bit of grit in them. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to today. I think today's the pivotal day and we'll see what happens when uh, play resumes. After Travis Head took scored 152 what an effort from Travis earlier on in the week now overnight in the NBL southeast Melbourne over New Zealand 95 88 Mitch Creek fantastic to get the Phoenix home mm-hmm. last night in the A-League men a big win uh, for Newcastle against our Wollongong based Wellington Phoenix 4-0 and in the big bash the Melbourne Stars too strong for the Sydney Thunder Adam Zampa, another Illawarra sporting product delivering. And Andre Russell playing his first 
game of the Big Bash. What about this? The international West Indian sports star flew in, but because of COVID protocols, he couldn't touch. He couldn't touch his teammates. He couldn't high five. There was no <laughs> backside slaps. He had to stay distanced on the field. Still allowed to play, but can't touch anybody. It's weird, isn't it? Very, very weird. It's the life we're living at the moment. We'll go through a few more strange COVID rules in the couple of hours to come. But let's bring in our special guest, who's been. Great to join us today. He's an international professional mountain bike athlete, but just not, not just any international professional athlete. World ranked, one of the best mountain bike riders in the world. Josh Carlson, welcome to Saturdays in the Gong. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a great spot to be here, and finally it's not raining for 20 minutes. Yes, <laughs> I'm glad exactly. you mentioned the great spot to be. We're at the Wollongong City Golf Club overlooking the fantastic course, which gets better as the sun starts to win this battle. And, of course, we're broadcasting thanks to Hyundai. Don't wait. City Motors Hyundai has the perfect SUV in stock, and it's ready for you. Tell us exactly the event that you tour the world in, um, competing and representing your sponsor, the giant factory team, so well in. So I focus on e-bike racing, actually, and it's enduro e-bike racing. So it's a new discipline that's come up the last couple of years. E-bikes have taken the world by storm at the moment. Um, you see them on the cycleway, you see them at the bush, you see them all over the place. There's huge development from the industry. Uh, so I race enduro, which is a form of downhill mountain bike riding. So downhill is one run. You get shuttled to the top, and it's all about that one run. Enduro, we race multiple downhill stages over the day, but we have to pedal to the top of the hill. So it's about a three to six hour day on okay. the bike um, but only the downhills are timed and they're, they're all accumulative so you'll have like a 30 minute or I say a 15 minutes worth of race time up to an hour so when we get to Europe and in the in the Alps of France or Switzerland or uh, Italy somewhere around La Tuile on the backside of Mont Blanc uh, we can race up to an hour hour and 20s worth of downhill race time oh my goodness pretty cool what is an e-bike for those listeners who might not know what an e-bike is just spell it out so an e-bike is a pedal assist mountain bike so it has a motor attached to the cranks so you still have to pedal it so it's not like a motorcycle with a throttle you've still got to pedal the bike yourself but it'll give you some assistance so yeah so basically you're you're racing down the hill and then you you, you can dawdle back up or is it uh, timed on the way back up as well sort of it's not timed on the way back up our e-bike races do have timed uphill stages so right. they're super technical it's almost like a trials motorbike style stage mm -hmm. so we have to uh we have to do some uphill timed sections which are pretty brutal and when you're racing against some jockeys that are 60 kilos or, or less and i'm you know six one eighty kilos it's uh makes it a little difficult <laughs> so, so you're so you're actually saying you're hopping off rocks and bits and pieces on the way up it's pretty technical much like that super technical yeah wow. when you look at it you're you, you don't picture anybody riding up it and that's kind of perfect <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds scary to me what about the world tour and covid what did, what's travel been like for you over the last 12 months how much have you been able to do it's been uh it's been a nightmare i've, I've been able to, to make it happen this year 2020 was dramatically different like i was a couple of days off flying to europe and we pulled the pin on going over there in 2020 um but this year i was able to go to europe in the end of may and june and do a couple of world cup races in italy uh get over to austria um, and then we I came back for a month. So I was supposed to go to the U.S., but all the entry regulations for Australians to go to the U.S., especially from Europe, was really difficult. So we had to pull the pin on that, and I came back home, did my two weeks quarantine in Sydney, and I uh, was up to, I don't know what it was, 400 or 500 push-ups a day, you know, that, <laughs> that old chestnut. Trying try to stay fit, eh? Try and just keep yourself sane. Then I went back over to Europe for the World Championships in August, uh, and then the three World Series events uh, later in the year, then came back in October. So, 
So where to next for you? So what, what's uh, what's on the calendar from your point of view? What, 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 are, you, what are you training for now and, and what does it look like? So right now we're getting ready for the Australian Enduro Championships. So the Gravity Enduro Championships are held down at Green Valley Bike Park, which is about 20 minutes from here in Wollongong. Uh, that's on next weekend, December 18 and 19. So the weather is definitely playing havoc with these events, but mm-hmm. hopefully that one comes off. After that, we're looking forward to the Australian uh, Cross Country and Downhill Championships in Medina, Tasmania. Uh, that's in mid-February. And then my international calendar doesn't start until Scotland on the 4th and 5th of June uh, next year. And then it'll be a pretty pretty big series. June's looking like we're doing a bit of Euro, Euro hopping between Scotland, Andorra, uh, Slovenia, Austria, France... Back to Wollongong. Wow. Let's hope you can get to go to all those places. Yeah, and hopefully we don't have to quarantine. But you know what? Like, coming back from Europe, Europe's a pretty, you know, free-flowing place at the moment. Mm. So a couple of days quarantine so we don't bring any germs back. I'm not that against. So you're ranked top 15 in the world. Tell us about your events and your finishes this year, the 2021 season that's just gone. So this year was uh, was a big learning curve uh, because I missed out on 2020. And like I said, I only signed on to race e-bikes in 2020. So this year was a huge learning curve, learning how to race the bikes, learning how to race the format, uh, learning if our bikes are capable, if I'm capable. You know, it's quite a funny space coming out of COVID. And uh, as a professional athlete, and Matt would know, you're you're a luxury item. (laughs) You you don't make the world go round. So anyway, we we learnt a lot. The Switzerland event was really, really cool. We're in Crans Montana, which is a beautiful place of the world. And had some massive mountains to pedal around. So that was about a, a six or a seven hour long day with nine stages to race. Uh, that one was good. We, we rode pretty well there. I was 12th overall there for that event. Uh, and then we went to Italy, um, Finale Ligua. And that was a 12, that was a, what was it, a 10 hour day on the bike. And that was a brutal, brutal mm. day. Wow. 36 degrees, um, over 3,000 meters of climbing and descending. Ooh, wow. Uh, 70 kilometers worth of trail. It was pretty mega. And that one, we were in, we were in a really good battle for seventh overall, uh, battling really close to the top five, which was great. So we were really happy with that. And then we had some mechanical issues, and my battery on my e-bike wasn't charged properly for the last <laughs> lap where it lost some charge. And all of a sudden, e-bikes are really hard to ride. <laughs> and heavy, I'm no doubt. And heavy. Yes. I'm sitting here looking at a professional athlete who, too, was the world sponsored by Giant. But where did the journey start? Tell us where you grew up and how you got into mountain biking. So the journey started here. Um, I mean, I grew up racing motocross with my dad, Matt Carlson, uh, here in Wollongong, riding at Mount Kembla motocross track. And, and then... In about 2007, 2008, I just kind of stumbled into mountain bikes and thought, oh, this is a pretty pretty good idea. It's a lot cheaper than motocross. Yeah. And I just happened to be really good at it. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then the journey went on. Um, what I do, enduro, kind of took place. And uh, that, that started around 20, 2012. Um, I moved to, moved to Canada with my girlfriend at the time, wife now. Uh, chased the dream, had an opportunity with Giant overseas, and they were like, look, if you can come over here and commit, we can supply you with bikes and we can see how you go. That went well, almost won a North American Enduro Tour Championship, and then the World Series started in 2013, and my uh, professional contract or professional career took off from there. Yeah, well, it's an amazing journey from Russellvale, I yeah. believe, right? Yep. So, I mean, there's plenty of uh, escarpment trails up there that you might have snuck up, uh, <laughs> you know, not quite legal, but that's okay. But to, to, to do that from that point of view, but then to see, you know, taking that risk to, as a professional athlete to go, right, I'm just going to follow my dream, go overseas and, and see what it takes you, uh, that's amazing. And, uh, and it is a tribute to what they're doing overseas. They're, they're pushing so hard in all the different areas to try and, you know, new sports, um, encouraging, you know, 
spaces to be used all year round. And I know I was actually lucky enough to be at Whistler um, and they, I was talking to some locals and they said how busy it gets during the summer is 10 times more than when it, when it, when it's snowing. And that, that was amazing to me. So talk to us about some of the, what, what you've seen and, and how encouraging it is overseas for mountain biking. Oh, massively. And that was a big thing. Like we moved to Vancouver in Canada and Whistler was my training ground in the North Vancouver mountains. And you can see it in, in summer, it's booming. Like obviously it's ma- massive in winter, but in summer, the vibe up there, the mountain trails, the, the community, the, everything that's involved with mountain biking, it's a way of life. It's not just a sport. It's a way of life over there, which is awesome. And Europe's the same. So that was a big thing to get me out of here at the time. You know, the, the scene was over there. There was a massive community. The industry was over there. The eyes of the industry was in, in the North American circuit and Europe. So to get out of Australia, it was a big commitment to leave here and leave your fam- family and friends and quit your job and, you know, all that. So to get over there, like you said, that they, they really, it's a way of life. It's not just another hobby or a sport. And you get to Europe, and Europe's got the biggest mountains in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and they love riding up them and down them. So when they're not covered in snow, there's bikes all over them. I'll, I'll come wonderful. back to the mountain bike park in Cringilla in a moment. But one of our physical wonders of this region is the escarpment. I told Matt in recent episodes that during lockdown, I walked the escarpment extensively and I was amazed at the landscape and I was amazed at the bike tracks that are up there that are unofficial at this stage. But all the mountain bikers that I ran into were respectful of Mm -hmm. the environment, had a lot of time and care for the environment. And I just thought to myself, this is a... Um, part of the Illawarra that is untapped. Uh, it could be a mountain biking mecca of the world. Big time. Uh, p- past Redbow, past some of the European locations, because the tracks are just amazing. Although they are also very, very scary. And some of the bridges and jumps and different descents that have been crafted out of wood up there uh, are done magnificently. But as you do it, you look at it and you think, there's no way anyone could ride over that. And just as you're thinking that, sure enough, along comes a rider and makes it look easy. So how do you do that? And what sort of incidents have you had, Josh? What sort of injuries have you picked up? Because it is a scary, scary sport. Well, we, I don't think we've got enough time to talk about all my injuries. <laughs> Give us your worst one. <laughs> when you, well, the worst one, um, the worst one was in 2013. Uh, it was in France. It was a second World Series event. And the first ever World Series event was in Italy, a town called Punta Alla. I come out of nowhere and I finished ninth in the world and I was just blown away. And I had lots of people talking me up, felt like a hero, went to the second event. Yeah, I got this. France is a different story, man. <laughs> they were big mountains in the mountains of Alos. And uh, I come down the first, uh, first stage, it wasn't too bad, and I finished 29th. And I was pretty disappointed and I was real young and had a massive ego. <laughs> went down the second stage and I'm like, just grit my teeth and sent it. Anyway, as I was coming down the hill, I was tucked doing maybe 60, 70 k's an hour down this, down this grassy mountain bike trail. And I could see it dip down in front of me and come up the other side. I was going too fast and I was tucked in my bike, not, not touching my brakes at all. And uh, at the last second, I saw the trail turn to the right. <laughs> and turns out straight, uh, an avalanche had taken out that part of the mountain at some point. <laughs> so there was just a big tree stump that was maybe hip high, a bunch of roots and rocks. So I jumped them. And on the other side was like a 20-foot drop, probably the size of this awning in front of us here at the Wollongong Golf Club. 20-foot drop into a, uh, you know, lounge room-sized area of microwave-sized rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Hit the ground in a big way, destroyed uh, my left elbow, punched my arm out the back of my shoulder socket, broke some ribs. I didn't break my leg, luckily, but it was pretty bad. And I was at the furthest point away 
from anything. Wow. And I had this prototype bike at the time and I was so nervous about someone taking it. Yeah. <laughs> no one spoke English and I'm trying to hobble my way down the hill. Like I must have looked like a zombie yeah. to these French <laughs> medical <laughs> officials. Anyway, I got back into the truck eventually and my shoulder was dislocated and uh, my elbow was shattered into a few pieces. had uh, four ribs snapped in half. My leg was fine. It was just mega, mega badly bruised. Right. Anyway, straight to the some hospital in... Oh, some local hospital. They didn't have enough equipment to x-ray me. Into an ambulance, neck brace, backboard, straight to the next hospital in the biggest town we could find. And uh, that was it. I disappeared off the scene for the whole year. So okay. everyone was like, whoa, where did that Australian kid come from? Oh, where did he go? He was ninth and then, where is he? <laughs> so, so when you're in Still the recovering. air, looking down on those rocks, is it happening in slow motion? Oh, do big you, time. Do you think, oh, yeah. no, this is going to hurt? Yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> or, were you think, or were you thinking, I've, got a, proto- I've got a prototype bike. How am I going to keep these uh, French guys away from stealing it? So, oh. And as you're dragging you with one arm, you're just dragging the bike out of the bushes. Oh, so. man. It, it definitely feels like slow motion. Unfortunately, I can remember all of it. I didn't hit my head, so I kind of wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't remember it. But, yeah, it was, a, uh, it was a, a big deal. And it's one of those things that at the time, you know, you think about it so much and you, I thought it was worse than it was. Mm. Or I, did, I, I thought I was like, you know, talking it up. It wasn't that bad. So, so just to ram my point home, you've travelled the world, right, and seen the best mountain bike tracks around the world. Could the Illawarra Escarpment, if developed respectfully and alongside certain guidelines, be among the best downhill mountain biking locations on the planet? Absolutely. Absolutely. And imagine the spin-off benefits for Wollongong and the Illawarra, New South oh. Wales, etc. The spin-off benefits for Australia, for New South Wales, for Wollongong and the Illawarra, it's uh, unbelievable. You know, mountain biking is a huge boom, boom uh, subject here in Australia. And Wollongong in particular, with what it offers with our town, uh, all the things we can do, like the golf club here, like mm. all the activities you can do with the family. It's an hour from Sydney. You can bring your family here. You can actually do some activities outside of mountain bike riding, which a lot of these mountain bike towns around the world, you can't do. Yeah. You know, I, I can't take my family traveling with me to all these races because Crans Montana is rad, but there's nothing for them to do. Yeah. And same deal with them in some mountain town in, in France. Beautiful mountain bike riding, mm. nothing for them to do. Here, there's heaps of stuff for them to do. Yeah, you're only five kilometres away from the escarpment here. So you could actually literally ride your bike up there yeah. from a training point of view and the family could be sitting on the beach. Yep, you could yeah. be beach to bush in about 50 minutes, yep. which is great. My feeling is it's an untapped resource mm-hmm. and by tapping it, we wouldn't actually destroy it or denigrate it would actually enhance it but anyway that's a discussion that we'll have ongoing time for a break josh you're going to hang around because wollongong has been declared a bike city there's a big event coming up next year with some news coming out yesterday we're going to talk more mountain biking and more biking with a man who the illawarra should adopt and and follow in the coming years because he's going to do great things josh carlson stick around we're back after this we're here thanks to Hyundai. Don't wait. City Motors Hyundai has the perfect SUV in stock for you. Broadcasting from the beautiful Wollongong Golf Club. Nicole Walker is here to look after all the golfers who are still enjoying this fantastic course. Matt Russell alongside Matt Campbell. Joined by Wollongong slash Illawarra's international professional mountain bike athlete, Josh Carlson. Great to chat and know your story uh, in the first part of this show and really this region has now been declared a bike city and you're an ambassador for that just tell us what it means and how Wollongong has been able to get that title so it's pretty exceptional uh, circumstance for Wollongong to be to be handed this label it's the only one of the southern hemisphere and I think what what makes it so special for Wollongong is when this award is late this label is awarded to somewhere like Vancouver in Canada or Innsbruck Austria they already have such a deep cycling culture and mm. heritage so they've got the infrastructure in place and for them it's kind of like oh 
Thanks, guys. But, you know, you don't really see too much impact. Here in Wollongong, you're going to see the impacts over the next couple of years, and it's going to be part of the legacy that the road world leaves behind. Uh, the infrastructure through the city, places like Cringilla Hills Bike Park, the legalisation of the Illawarra Escarpment Trails, um, commuting throughout the city. You're really going to see a lot more activity over the next couple of years and activations for cycling. And it's not just for, for professionals, it's for the general community and the families and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so and we, we spoke about it earlier on the show, how uh, how Europe and North America have embraced cycling, especially mountain biking, so much. So, you know, the, the fact that now that we're that city in a strip from the Southern Hemisphere point of view, obviously it's going to help us from a tourism because it's such a big opportunity out there to, you know, entice people to come to Australia, not only to see how beautiful we are, especially the Illawarra because we're, we're awesome, but, you know, it gives them another opportunity to go, all right, where are we going to go for a holiday? Okay, this city over here has just been uh, awarded this. Let's let's go there. And bike tourism is massive. Like people will travel around the world with their bikes. But traveling with your bicycle these days is so much easier thanks to you get bags from Thule and Evoc, and it's really easy to travel with a backpack and your bike. You can travel anywhere around the world. Bike packing in particular is really really big. Mountain biking is one of the boom industries all around the world. So people want to come to Australia. <laughs> and it's just another reason for them to come down here and ride your bike. And like, like we said before, you can bring your family here, which is something that a lot of mountain bike destinations or cycling destina destinations around the world don't really offer. You know, they're, they're great to go riding, but you've got to go with your mates or you've got to go with the girls or you've got to go with a group. Here, you can bring your family here, have an awesome holiday, awesome experience, and ride some of the best trails that you'll ever ride in the world. You're a Mount Kira resident now, so I'm glad you're still based where you, you grew up. Sponsored by the Giant Factory team. Great to see you wearing their gear. How many bikes have you got? Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's double digits. So. Uh, <laughs> Needs some, need some more room. Eh? Uh, need a bigger garage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, next year, as you mentioned, it's September 2022. We will host the UCI World Road Championships. And yesterday, the circuits were outlined for the event. Now, Stanwell Park, Coalcliffe, Clifton, Scarborough, Wombara, Coaldale, Austin Mere, Thirul and Bulleye, they're going to be used along within Wollongong, Quinville, Mount Oosley, Mount Pleasant, Ferry Meadow, North Wollongong. So how exciting is the course that was announced yesterday? Uh, it's, it's real exciting and I think it's quite technical. Like To utilise the whole area of Wollongong from top to tip, starting at Helensburg, coming down through the Seacliff Bridge, which is iconic. It's a massive uh, you know, icon of Wollongong of, of Australia to come down and use that come around Marine Drive we're going to utilize Mount Kembla Mount Kira riders are going to be ripping up Mount Kira so incredibly fast and that's going to be amazing to watch when they come down Mount Kembla I, I could see them hitting over 100 kilometers an hour maybe 120 k's an hour coming down that's past the mine amazing. it's incredible yeah. and then to do the lap I think uh it's really, really technical. It's a really hard course. So yeah, what, what does technical mean? Yeah. For someone listening, what does technical mean when you're on a bike? So on a road bike, technicality and technical, if you said that on a mountain bike, you would automatically assume rocks, jumps, mm. roots, bridges, berms. Yep. You think, oh, wow, it's kind of technical. On the road, it's like, well, what can be technical about a flat road? Mm. You know, especially you see the roads here. What's technical about it is that it's quite twisty. We don't have many straight roads. And we don't have many spots where you can see more than 100 or you know, maybe even 150 metres in front of us. So the roads coming along the Seacliff Bridge and the Coast Road is very, very twisty. It's very hilly. It's very fast. And uh, once we get into the suburbs and we do the lap, 
that goes through Mount Pleasant, Ferry Meadow, back around to Rogie, back into town. That's really, really hard. <laughs> really hard. And and we're looking at it from, like, if, if I was riding my bike, that's, I, that, that's fine. Like, you know, my <laughs> pace, I'm going. But these yeah. guys are going to be extraordinary. 100 uh, k's an hour. Yeah, they're going to be going speeds that are just <laughs> phenomenal. They're going to be the same sort of speed, pace as a car yep. uh, all the time. And, and I guess that's the difference, right? No, no, twice as fast as your car. <laughs> 60 k's an I'm, hour, Matthew. I'm, I'm talking along the sea there. Like, when, they, when they're darting in and out of all these corners, yeah. they're going to be, be doing, doing 60. 60. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Doing 60 in a group and trying yeah. to make those turns. Um, yeah, it's going to be phenomenal. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I've I followed cycling a fair bit. I, you know, I just love the, you know, what, what it brings. And I'm just it's so excited for the city. And, and most people won't realise until the hype gets here, um, when it gets closer, how, it, how big it is from the, from the Wollongong point of view and, the, and for the Illawarra. Well, so when it's, it's when we watch overseas tours, yeah. we marvel at their, their um, landscape and their buildings. What's Europe going to be like when it sees the riders head overseas Cliff Bridge, for example? What sort of interest is there from overseas already? There's massive interest. Like I've just heard overnight, you know, like there's a lot more interest now from the Europeans to come here now they've seen the course. Now they've seen the course is so hard. It's so technical. Uh, when they see the photos and the shots beamed across the world of the Sea Cliff Bridge and Mount Kira, and you can imagine there's going to be helicopters and a cavalcade of cars. <laughs> and like a lot, of, a lot of people won't realise. You see the Tour de France, but there's... What is there, 100 cyclists, mm. 150 cyclists or whatever? But there's like 100 cars full of commissaires yep. and officials mm. and politicians and teams and bits and pieces. When they see that in Europe, it's going to be mind-blowing. I was in the south of France when the Flanders event was on earlier in the year. And we pulled up to this little cafe and uh, the family had shut the cafe down. It was probably half the size of this area here. Paraphernalia everywhere. And they shut it down just to watch this world's race. So that's wow. part of their, their culture, right? They set apart that day to watch the worlds. They all have food, beers, wines, coffees. And uh, as I'm watching the Flanders race from the south of France in, in Blasac, <laughs> I'm thinking, man, that's, that's going to be Wollongong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be so spectacular for these people to see Wollongong, where I'm from. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's the town that we grew up in. Now it's going to be put on the map for hundreds of Literally hundreds of millions of people to view. Yeah, it's so exciting. I was over, over to the Tour de France um, back in 2012, and I was at a finish. Have you, you've been to Whistler, the Tour de France. Where haven't uh, you mate, been, Matt I've, I've ticked a few boxes. Yeah, Don't worry yeah. about it. The bucket list is getting... You getting, must have been paid well at the <laughs> horse. <laughs> yeah, but there was there was 500,000 people at Cape Dag for a finish of a, of a, of a tour, tour stage. And I'm like... 500,000 people. We got there at like 6 in the morning and we were in the lineup for, for an hour just to get into the city. So there is going to be people absolutely everywhere here. I think one thing that's going to in- increase that people everywhere and make people excited is that once they do the big loop down from, from Helensburg across the bridge, people will see that, mm. but it's a one-pass wonder. Yeah. We'll come into here, they'll do Mount Kira, so there'll be grandstands up there and the kids at Mount Kira Demonstration School will be able to sit out the front, watch the guys rip up that Great hill spot. You're right. down Mount Kembla. But once they get into the lap of the city, that's going to be multiple laps. So this race is about 270 kilometers long. So from Helensburg down around that loop, that's about 80 or 90 kilometers. That other loop, I'm not too sure how, how big that is, but someone smarter than me can do the math. There's going to be a few laps in there, and that's going to be brutal. That is also going to uh, be really exciting to watch because people can park up on the side of the track and see all these athletes, see the attacks, see the launches, see the breakaway, see the bringing them back, see the sprint at Marine Drive. They're going to be hitting Marine Drive at about 70 k's an hour. Wow. 
after 270 in the legs. Wow. It's going to be pretty hectic. Well, Josh Carlson, I love your passion. I love what you're doing for this region on the world scene. An international professional mountain bike athlete. Good luck with your World Championships and World Series in 2022. I know you'll be back on this show to promote the World Road Championships. First chance we get because you've been fantastic this morning. Great to meet you and good luck going forward. Thank you, boys. Appreciate your time. Yeah, it's going you. to be exciting. Stay with us. Saturdays in the gong. Afterwards, we'll talk basketball with a big Kings-Hawks game coming up tonight. You're listening to... Saturday's in the gong on SEN. For the Hawks, we want them to do well. They've started the season extremely well, and I really do like the team. It's a really well-balanced team compared to last year. I thought they were a little bit guard-heavy as far as the scoring punch. Um, you know, they've done, done an unbelievable job recruiting in the off-season, and, um, you know, to be able to build on the back of Gorgon's success overseas, um, obviously from, uh, you know, getting a bronze medal, um, I just think the team's... Ready, ripe, um, and championship contenders this year. And there's been lots of uh, interest invoked in this match tonight because of the off-field talk. Now, Paul Smith, owner of the Sydney Kings, labelled the Hawks very cruelly. Come on, Paul, you're from down here. Scumbags and idiots. And then Brian Gorgian responded by saying we're under their skin. That's the Hawks coach, Brian Gorgian. We're under the Kings skin. I think he skin. called us grubs there at one stage. Absolutely. Too, so. so then Paul Smith loaded up again, the Sydney Kings owner, saying that someone in the Hawks has been dismissive of the league, loose with protocols and disrespectful to people around the league. He was speaking about Hawks co-owner, Dory Cordahi, who responded in kind saying, hang on a second, that is disrespectful to me, nothing short of a personal attack. It questions my integrity and it borders on defamation of character. I do not accept anything that Paul Smith said. So, Dory Kordahi, he joins us on Saturdays in the gong, the Hawks co-owner. Dory, thanks for uh, making time for us. We're going to go to Dory as soon as we can. But, um, Maddie, mm. I'll tell you what, it certainly set the game up. Yeah, absolutely it did. So, and, and you know what, like Paul, Paul Smith, uh, he's a promoter. He's used to doing all these kind of bits and pieces. He's, he's, he's openly trying to, to get the Highway Series as a, a, you know, a rivalry. So he's been building on this for the last couple of years, and we have had some banter. But, um, yeah, to see that next level now. And, and you know what, it's on the back of the success the Hawks had last year. You know, it was a great season, no doubt. Georgian's first year, um, being able to get Tyler Harvey come in and do, you know, at a great level come in and, and show his uh, skills and Jacini and Jessup as a next star was re- really outstanding for us. We had some young guys come through frolling. Um, Dan Greed unfortunately hurt this year, but you know, really started to build a great organize like a great organization. And you know, it, it's been what we've been trying to do in the Hawks for quite some time. It's it's not about going out and buying a championship. You have to build it by by getting good quality local talent. And, um, and, and finding the right imports to support them. So, you know, I think it's more wrapped around the fact that, um, you know, Sydney are a little bit jealous, I think, of, of the skill level that the Hawks are being able to put on um, and, you know, potentially where we're going to sit this year. So, uh, and I actually see these two teams sitting at the top. Uh, my predictions for the year are, is the Hawks and the Kings 1-2. Playing the for the end, championship. At the end of the regular season. I don't know if we make the championship yet. It's, it's one thing to, to, to make the finals. It's another thing to win it because you know obviously you've got to get through Perth you've got to get through all those other things as they get to it but you know from my point of view I really like what the Kings have been able to do with their program and obviously you've got two Illawarra guys there as a foundation of their building point with Angus Glover and, and Xavier Cooks so two really good young talent um, and, and that'll be their foundation to, to make a run at a championship so from our point of view really excited to see um, you know what's going to be like today. 
The voice of Matt Campbell, who played more than 500 games for the Hawks. He captained the Hawks and he owns a host of records with the Illawarra Hawks. And from a Sydney perspective, big news yesterday with their point guard, Jalen Adams, ruled out with a sprained ankle. Who knows how long that will keep him out. But what a setback on the eve of what is uh, a big game for both clubs, only a couple of games into their season, admittedly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it is, it's is—it's the it's the start of the season where you need everyone on the court because you, you're trying to build chemistry. You're trying to find out whose roles and responsibilities what they are from the team point of view but it is an exciting opportunity and we just spoke about Angus Glover there this is an opportunity for Angus now Angus's skill set is unbelievable we know that his athletic ability is still you know unprecedented from that point of view but now he's going to get an opportunity to you know with, with uh, Bruce up there as well but to run the team and, and it'll be um, you know a, a great opportunity for him they've still got heaps of firepower so I don't think it's going to affect him too much um, and, and it is we are so early in the season but if you look back to last year, last season, the Hawks got off to a great start, had a bit of a shaky middle part, but that start is what got him into the finals at the end of the day because it was so close towards the end of the season. OK, well, Bob Millwood not far away. He'll talk some rugby league and a big function that he has coming up, but there's more basketball coming your way. A break, and then we're back to Saturdays in the Gong, live from the Wollongong Golf Club. Saturdays in the Gong, great to have your company. Matt Russell alongside Hawks legend Matt Campbell. We're looking forward to the Kings and the Hawks this evening, but let's go over to another sport that is rich through this area and rugby league. We're joined by a man who knows rugby league in this area better than anyone. Better than, uh, well, even the steed and they kick around the football field. Bobby Steeler, Bob Millwood, welcome to Saturdays in the Gong. Hey, good, good morning, mate. Now, listen, you've got a big... Yes, that's right. It's easy, Bob. Now, listen, you've got a big event coming up uh, in February, February 3. You better tell us about what you're planning next because I've been lucky enough to be involved with a few Millwood spectaculars and this one might be the biggest and best of the lot. Yeah, well, uh, let's hope so anyway, Matt. But, uh, yeah, we try and do something that reflects back on uh, rugby league and rugby league in Illawarra each year. But uh, uh, we've got something here that's quite unique to rugby league when you have a father and twin sons and all three uh, represented Australia. And uh, well, I've had uh, the, the best statistician in the game in David Middleton go right through. And he says not only in Australia, but he believes in uh, world rugby league. This is um, this is unique, and um, I think we should celebrate it. Uh, all three, Steve Morris and his twin sons, uh, Josh and, and Brett, uh, they came through the Illawarra South Coast uh, uh, Junior Rugby League system, and uh, uh, I think it's something that we should uh, recognise and celebrate. Yeah, it's great, Bobby. I think it's a really good um, gesture from the Steelers' point of view to do that, and and I think, you know, it, like you said, to have such good quality talent, and but not only that, for, for so long, like their longevity, I think, should be celebrated as well. Like they, they're just a stalwart, um, you know, in those positions. And, and, you, and you look at it and you just go consistency straight away. You look at both those, the, the, two, the twins, yeah. and they're they awesome that way. And, and we've had some phenomenal, um, you know, South Coast players over the time. And where do they sit, Bobby, do you think? Where, where is, are they in your all-time, you know, South Coast team? Um, oh, they go very close to it, but uh, you know we've had, uh, particularly in the outside backs, Josh being a centre and Brett a winger, in mainly. But they have played uh, full back, uh, both of them. Uh, but uh, you know, we've, uh, to put them up there with the greats, I suppose we've got two uh, two immortals in uh, the late uh, Graham Langlands and uh, recently passed away Bob Fulton. Uh, so you know True. they're in great company. They're one of uh, or two, and Steve makes it three. Uh, of mm. our 47 internationals that come through uh, the Illawarra 
uh, junior and schoolboy ranks. Yeah, we've opened recently the, the women's walk of fame there at the Steelers Club. But prior to that, you've had a, a men's walk of fame for a while. What's the tally at? Did you say 47 now, Bob? It's up to 47 now, Matt, yeah. And gee, there's some rugby league royalty in, in that list, isn't there? And uh, you, you go across the league, Bob. Every club, there's products from this region, be it the Illawarra or the South Coast. It's always been such a great rugby league nursery. And back to the, the Morris trio, Dad, Steve, and the twin boys, there's so much synergy between their respective careers, isn't there? And that's something we're going to celebrate at this function, uh, these, this peculiar similarity between all three. Yeah, well, one thing, the, the consistency is pace. Uh, Stephen had the outstanding pace. Uh, he was in that uh, very good Tommy Bishop Illawarra side that uh, got right through to the Panasonic Cup uh, semi-finals, and uh, we beat New Zealand and won the country championship. And uh, that was in 1978. And uh, that that form uh, not only got Stephen into the Australian side to play halfback against New Zealand, uh, but was the catalyst of. Uh, having our third and uh, most success, well, successful launch at getting into the big league. Uh, that was a, a, a young side of uh, Illawarra talent that Tommy Bishop had. And uh, I think finally we got recognition and uh, we were invited into the big league. And Steve, Josh and Brett, they all scored more than 100 first grade tries, nearly 500 between them, which is remarkable. Such a good stat. They, both, they all started... Yep. At the Illawarra or St George Illawarra, they all played for the Roosters, so the Roosters will be well represented at this function. And yeah, it's just funny how the two twin boys sort of did what Dad did uh, a, a couple of generations on. Yeah, well, the three Morris, uh, Steve, and the, and the two uh, the two boys all played their first game of rugby league with Dapto, and ironically, yeah. uh, all three played their last game of rugby league in Australia with the Roosters. So you know, there's. No matter which way you look, there's history, you're following history. Uh, uh, and I, that's why I think that uh, we've got to pay tribute. Uh, it's a Thursday, the uh, 3rd of February, and uh, it'll be at the stadium. And uh, uh, we'll open the day with some drinks on the field where uh, all three were stars. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great gesture, like I said. So, And, and you're a bit, Bobby, you've been around the game a long time. And we're at, like the game has changed so much, um, especially in recent years. Um, how, how do you see the game now? How, as, as a spectator, you're sitting there watching it. Like, how, how do you find watching the game? On Fox League, uh, of course. Uh, On Fox League. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, <laughs> look, it's, 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 it's faster than it's ever been. The, the only criticism I've got of the game and concern is that well, the only football code is when the ball goes out of play that we don't bring it back with a, a contest. Uh, well, it is a scrum, but the scrum is no contest. And uh, mm. you know, all, all other football codes, uh, the, the ball's thrown in and you, you compete. Uh, so uh, that's the only criticism I've got. But the athletes, uh, you know, they're, they're professional following the, the Super League and, and the formation of the NRL. Uh, they're professional and we expect that from them and they... They certainly deliver on uh, on the majority of occasions. Before we let you go, Bob, I know you're very busy organising this Morris function, but there's also 40 years of Illawarra Rugby League to celebrate uh, soon, isn't there? All the Illawarra Steelers. Uh, what's going on with that anniversary? Well, it's 40 years since the Steelers played their first game uh, in uh, in 1982, and uh, mm. uh, we asked the NRL that uh, the match between the St George Illawarra Dragons and the Canberra Raiders. They came in on the same year. So it's 40 years for the Canberra Raiders, 40 years for the Illawarra Steelers. Oh, but wow. uh, in re 
Yeah, so we'll be playing that game. I think it's the first Sunday in July here at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong. And there'll be other celebrations uh, throughout the year, but, uh, uh, yeah, something to reflect back on. And uh, you know, we we are regarded as being the catalyst of decentralisation of the game. The famous quote that I continued to use then, and I continue to use it, that the Australian Rugby League was the best competition in the world that was played between Hornsby and Sutherland. And uh, uh, following the Illawarra Steelers came Canberra, came Brisbane sides, became... Across uh, the Tasman to uh, the Warriors, and uh, yeah, we were the catalyst. We did pay a price for it during the, at the conclusion of the Super League War, but we've still got world-class rugby league pl- being played on a regular basis here in Wollongong. And now we've got world-class functions coming the way of anyone who wants to come Thursday, February three, to celebrate Steve Morris, Brett Morris, Josh Morris. Uh, they can get involved by contacting the Steelers Club, and we'll we'll go forward from there. You'll see it advertised in coming days and weeks. Matt Campbell, you know Bobby Steeler does his best planning at, at three a.m. in the morning. He wakes up and has an idea, and I'm trying to get you to sleep through the night, Bob. Please tell me you weren't up at three o'clock last night planning this function. Uh, no, no, we're getting closer. <laughs> it's a couple of months away, but, you know, we've got the Christmas break and we've got going into, into January, and so the work's got to be done now and planned now and the tickets are on sale. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be successful, as the others have been, and uh, so all we can do is sit back and, uh, and watch the Hawks this afternoon. Absolutely. Yep, tonight at 5.30, Kings v Hawks. Bob Millwood, enjoy your weekend, enjoy cheering for the Hawks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks both, Matt. Time for a break on Saturdays in the Gong. When we return, we're going to go through Matt's miscellaneous moment, a subject close to my heart this week, and get your Matt's mock for the weekend's racing ahead. Stay with us. Saturdays in the Gong, great to have your company. We're still trying to get Hawks owner Dory Kordahi, and uh, given the spying allegations levelled at Illawarra from Sydney, some wag has texted in and said that Dory's at the King Shootaround this morning. <laughs> I'm, sure that's, I'm sure that's not the case. Matt's miscellaneous moment real quickly. You know that coffee's a subject close to my heart, Absolutely. given the cafe in town. We've had a beautiful coffee this morning here at the Wollongong Golf Club. It is always smicked. Do you know that in a population of about 26 million, mm-hmm. 19 million Aussies have at least one cup a day? That's a hell of a lot of coffee drinkers in Australia. That is a lot. The average cup, $4.12. I'm sure you get it cheaper here at Wollongong Golf Club. But 4 bucks and 12 cents is the average cost. And what about this? The most popular coffee sold is your good old latte. Latte. There you, there go. you go, Matt Mate. Campbell. But that's yeah, coffee drinkers here in, the, uh, in Australia, right? Absolutely. Matt's miscellaneous moment for another week, but time for Matt's mock. Now, high baller. You backed it to run a place last yeah. week. Unfortunately, the placing of seventh doesn't pay. No, seventh and an eight no. ball great. So do better this week, will you? I got back on the bandwagon, so that was, uh, that was not, not a good thing. So this week I'm going for a bit, something's got a bit more... Uh, a bit more presence and a bit, yes. you know, I'm, I think it's going to run well. So this is race four at Kimbler Grange, which is on today. Number four, race four, number four, never second, because that's what the Hawks, <laughs> we never wanted to be second from the Hawks' point of view. I did look at Sh- um, Shadow Chaser, right. as, as which is number five, and I thought, well, that's what everyone's jumping at Shadows at the moment with this uh, ownership of stuff yes. going on with the Hawks and the Kings. But yeah, number four, race four. Never second. Never second. So long as it's also never third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or etc. We want it to be first today. Matt Campbell's mock, never second at Kembla Grange. A news break, and then we're back with the second hour of Saturdays in the Gong. Great to have you with us. Saturdays in the Gong, our second hour as the sun wins the battle in Wollongong. But who's going to win the battle tonight? Kings v. 
Illawarra Hawks. Matt Campbell, I know what way you're learning, the way of the Hawks. And given their first outing of the season, which was mighty impressive in patches, um, you've got a decent argument there. Yeah, in patches is a, a good way of summing it up too. So that they were excellent in patches. And I, mean, I guess it's the start of the season. You expect the Hawks to be a bit rusty coming out of preseason, which was disrupted, um, obviously, you know, there were some COVID uh, um, um, interruptions in the preseason, which didn't allow them to be on the floor for probably as, as many games as they would have liked from a preseason point of view. But sometimes that also helps. It's, um, it's good to hit the ground in a, in a competitive environment, and sometimes that sorts out your roles and responsibilities pretty quickly. As soon as I get confirmation, we'll go to Tim Burrow from the Illawarra Mercury regarding the local paid papers back page but the back pages of the Sydney Metro papers escape route applauding the efforts of Joe Root mm. in an England fight back yesterday and Empire strikes back there's another headline because England trailed by only 58 runs so a crucial first session mm. in the first test day four today can the Aussies pick up some early wickets and really get back on top or will England find the front with still eight wickets up their sleeve and then if they can build a lead of 150 200 this test is right back on. B time. And, I, and like from, from that point of view, when you look at it, it was did, did the Aussies play a bit conservative yesterday? Was it, was it a fact that, oh, you know, we've got a good lead, we don't want to let them get easy runs, where should they have been chasing wickets? And, uh, and I guess that's a question for the experts. But, um, you know, it, it is exciting. It's, it's good to see, I, I guess. But, you know, as a true-blooded uh, you know, Australian, I wanted to see a whitewash. I wanted to see him beat them in three days. But uh, it's definitely game on now. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Aussies come back from this new captain, um, you know, there's a lot of changes in that group and how they're going to handle a bit of adversity. That's going to be interesting to see. OK, until I get confirmation that Tim Barrow is on the phone, let's talk some rugby league for a while because Josh Hodgson, the Canberra Raiders hooker, he's off to Parramatta in 2023. Mm. Another one. I can't remember a period in rugby league history where more players have signed for the season beyond the next one than we're in right now. Yeah. It is phenomenal and, and it's, a, it's a big talking point in the game. Absolutely. Is it a problem? Do we need to fix it? Well, that will be a storyline going forward. But Canberra's Bailey Simonson, the winger, he's going to the Eels straight mm. away. So some movement at the Canberra Raiders. And Jerome Hughes was last night belatedly named Melbourne's Player of the Year. Melbourne, a really strong season again, including that record-equaling winning streak. And Jerome Hughes, who went to the club as a fullback, now being named their best player as halfback. So again, Craig Bellamy shows his ability to take a player and mould him into a world-class athlete in the position that Craig Bellamy needs him to fill. Exactly, and and then he's been so good at that, and it, it's and, that, and that's a reason why they're they're on top so much. They they've got an ability to be able to build a program, utilise the skill sets they get in there, and then develop those guys into the areas that they need as a team. And, and that's remarkable, really, because especially in professional sport, you don't see too many players chopping and changing when they get to that level because mm. it is so competitive and I, it's just a credit to the organisation the way that they've set it up and they consistently find good talent at a younger age, bring them through get them to a decent level and because they know they're going to get poached they, they absolutely know at some stage that other teams are going to be throwing huge coin at them to drag them out of there so they're already two steps ahead of everyone else and they're building the best new talent coming behind them to make sure that there is no transition lull. No, well said Matty and it's great that you pick up on that. It's exactly the way it works. We love going to Wynn Stadium, watching all the teams play down here. But Panthers, Penrith, they're getting a new stadium in 2025. And it's, it's part of the 
it's part of the rejuvenation of Western Sydney or, mm. or the growth of Western Sydney. Western Airport going in there, plenty of new housing estates. Plenty of new stuff out that way, isn't Absolutely. There? New Northern Road, and now Penrith's going to get a new stadium. So for two years, 2023 and 24, they'll play elsewhere, and then they'll be back in 2025 at a brand-new stadium, which will be another uh, great addition to Western Sydney. Let's bring in the man who edits the Illawarra Mercury sports section, Tim Barrow. Good morning to you. And I dare say much of your week has been spent following the back and forth between Sydney and Illawarra. Yeah, good morning, lads. I'm standing outside Kudos uh, Bank Arena with a, a trench coat and one of those... Uh, <laughs> The glasses with the moustache, just so I can't be recognised. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't get, yeah, you didn't get invited in, scouting. mate. No, didn't no, get I invited yet, in to watch waiting, the sessions. I'm waiting for the, uh, the maintenance store to open so I can just sneak <laughs> in the, uh, the side entrance and see what I can find out. Hey, Tim, when they were calling each other scumbags and idiots and Coach Gorgian was saying we're under their skin and, and then Paul Smith was saying they've been disrespectful to people around the league, I thought it was maybe a little bit contrived to try and build up some ticket sales. But having done a little bit of digging, I'm now not so convinced. I, I think there is genuine animosity there that might have happened accidentally. And, and Dory Kordahi um, went on the record this week as saying he was mighty upset and said that the words of his opposition owner were bordering on defamation and, uh, and, and defamation of character. What have you been able to glean? How real is this rivalry and current feud? Yeah, I spoke to, to Dory on Monday just to, to get a handle on where he, what he thought about the whole uh, situation that, that he'd been labelled around Spygate and that he'd been deliberately there to, to scout what the, the Kings were doing. And the, the thing that struck me about speaking to him was that he was very detailed in how he spoke about it and why he was there. He, he said he walked in five minutes after their allotted training time. So the Kings were supposed to train from 11.30 till 1. He walked in five minutes later. He was doing some stuff around their, their corporate seating and, and um, you know, having some discussions with, with staff. Uh, as he was doing it, uh, he believed that it was their sort of shoot around at the end of training, you know, so all the all the secret stuff, all the, all the plays, you know, was, was all said and done and that there wasn't a lot in it. I mean, that, that game was cancelled anyway, obviously, with the, the COVID scare. So, I mean, I, you know, in my own opinion, given what I've gathered this, this week, I mean, the, the whole thing's been so overcooked that, you know, if it was a steak, you'd send it back. It just seems to be... Uh, <laughs> You know, seems to be such a, a really overplayed thing from both sides because you know if if the NBL was serious about it and there's a, there was a formal complaint made, well, why isn't there a proper investigation into the whole thing uh, to establish whether there was was something untoward actually happening? Now, do you think it could be a little bit of jealousy? I've, I mentioned it earlier in the show that, um, you know, the, the Illawarra Hawks traditionally always been, you know, the, the battlers and bits and pieces. But now, from a roster point of view, it looks exciting. We were good last year. We're heading up that way. And Paul Smith has openly said in the past that, um, you know, that w w we're the factory and that the Kings are the showroom. And it seems to, it seems to be a little bit different at the moment. I think the showroom's definitely clearly coming down to the nice, beautiful, sunny south coast. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, last year, you know, they, oh, the Kings won the, the freeway series, as they call it, but that was based on the fact that they won the last game of the season when the Hawks were already destined for finals anyway, which the, the Kings didn't make. I mean, 
you know, my first year here at the Mercury was the year that you were part of, you were leading the, the Save the Hawks campaign. I mean, we, we know that the, the battles and the struggles the, the Hawks have had over the years. And, and you know, Do- Dory and the, and the Hawks and I have, have sort of butted heads over the time because I think over in, since they've taken the ownership, they've, they've had to establish the respect of the community, particularly when the Illawarra name was taken away. And to be honest, I, I really think that the Hawks organisation is as respected now as they've probably ever been because they've been able to spend the money and build an organisation that, that is actually showing that they mean business. And you've got a coach like Brian Gorgian who obviously is the greatest of all time. He, he delivers championships where he goes. And, I mean, whether it's it's jealousy, whether they want to, you know, build on this rivalry, I mean, there's a lot of lot of layers layers in it. But, you know, we know that in the time that the Hawks and Kings have been at it, I mean, you know, the 2005 Grand Final Series when the, the Kings swept the Hawks. No, exactly. I apologise for bringing it up. That's erased from all memory. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, to, you know, 2007, Glenn Savile went to the Hawks. We've now got Angus Glover and Xavier Cooks at the Kings. I mean, this rivalry doesn't need to be manufactured. I want to ask Matt Campbell, Tim, because he's the ex-player here. Given all this talk between the owners, and it will be in Brian Gorgian's wheelhouse to deliver some highly motivational, inspirational speech, but as a player, when you go onto the court... Are you wound up after this or are you in, you know, uh, does getting wound up on the back of all this talk serve a basketball player or will they be calming themselves? And the reason I ask is I want to know whether we're going to see on-court fireworks a as a result of, of this. A bit of biffo. Um, look, no, I, I, as a player, you don't focus on all that energy that's been built up around outside of it. So certainly from Gorgian's point of view, he might want to bring in some of the history that um, that it is the passion about mm. what, what Illawarra think about the Sydney um, environment. And that's built not just on basketball that's built on years and years of the Steelers having all their best players you know sort of poached up the road for obviously more coin which you yeah. can't blame them for um, and and that that's, Glenn Savile. yeah that's exactly <laughs> right so but um, you know I think it's it, it, you can build on it but like when when you've got a good team um, and, a, and a like if you're looking to motivate sometimes when you when you're not expected to do well sometimes you throw some of that stuff in there to give it a bit more edge but I think you know looking at the roster that both teams have you know there is a lot of talent there that that probably just needs management not yeah. not not actually needs to be fired up in any way so maybe some of the you know guys down the bench maybe you want to give them a little bit of uh, you know when they come out if they want to disrupt the game if it's heading in one of the team's directions I think you might see some of the some of the bench guys come out and give a little biffo but um, from the starting group point of view they'll be focused on getting the job done well Tim Barrow apart from this absorbing Illawarra Hawks Sydney Kings build up what else is in the Mercury today yeah, there's an amazing photo on the back page from uh, our photographer, Wes Lonigan, uh, focusing down on the Seacliff Bridge, but looking to Mount Kira, and it just gives oh, you a yes. really good scope of what the course is going to look like uh, for the the World uh, Cycling Championships. It, it might not be uh, some of the European Alps that we see, but uh, now that they've released the, the course and how the loops are going to look, uh, some of that's still to be determined because... The technical staff need to come out and, and have a really good look at the track, and they're going to decide that by by March. But at least it gives people a really good opportunity to understand, well, just how demanding this sort of uh, this course is going to be and, and what it's going to look like when it arrives in September. 
Yeah, I can't wait for that. And it's been great to have already Josh Carlson on here this morning. We're going to speak with the CEO of the event coming up as well. Tim Barrow, great to have you. I know you've got a big Saturday planned and watching that NBL game later on as the first leg of a doubleheader is a big part of that. We'll talk again soon, mate. Thank you. I've got the popcorn ready to go. <laughs> as do I. Okay, a break and then we're back to talk some test cricket. Fox Sports News cricket reporter Justin Edwards is going to join us. Experience. Days in the gong. Time to discuss now the biggest sporting impacts of the week. And we do that thanks to one of our great supporters, Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Maddie Campbell, when I was driving my son around Wollongong this week, it came time for the first ball of the first Ashes test. And I said to him, we've got to pull over mm. and watch this first ball. And much to his uh, consternation, because he mm. thought it would be pretty boring, yep. we got out the phone, we looked up Fox Cricket, and here's what happened. The Ashes summer of 21-22 gets underway as Stark roars in and bowls to Burns. He bowled in first ball! Mitch Stark serves notice! And Ashes can be defined by the first delivery! Yes, just ask Harmison about that in 2006. It certainly was. Let's bring in the Fox Sports News cricket department. This man is a cricket expert. Justin Edwards, great to have you on Saturdays in the gong. When I listen to that audio, it still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up no matter how many times I see or hear it. How about you? Oh, it certainly does. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Matt. Yes, I do feel a little bit bad for poor Rory Burns. Poor guy. It was his sixth duck of the year. He just... He's, he's a good little batsman. He's just, unfortunately, very vulnerable before he gets off the mark. Luckily for him, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pair. You got saved by a review yesterday, but it would have been quite the poor start to an Ashes series for him if he had to kick things off with a golden duck and then a, a duck in the next inning. Absolutely. He would have been on the pool room wall, right? So, yeah, and look, it's exciting, isn't it? I, 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 you know, watching that first day from our point of view was amazing as an Australian. And then obviously backing that up in day two with the way they batted was phenomenal. And then yesterday, a bit disappointed. Like, uh, you know, were they conservative? What, what's, what's your opinion on it? I, I thought they bowled conservative. I thought they were trying to protect the lead rather than trying to really hammer it home. Yeah, and that's what a, a big lead allows you to do. It does allow you to bowl conservatively because you've got so much time left in the match. But my, my big takeaway was England rallied and England batted so well, especially Joe Root and David Milan, who both had shockers in the first innings. But they, Maddie and I, we spoke about this being a career-defining series for Joe Root. He'd never scored 100 in Australia before. He'd never even won a test. He played nine tests here before for eight losses and a draw. And if he wasn't going to be at his best this time. He comes into the series the most informed cricketer in the world and if he was to again go through this series without getting 100, he of course hasn't got one yet this innings, but he would always be the guy the guy that was a great batsman but could never do it in Australia. And he's going to end with, you know, 10,000 test runs. He's going to be alongside Alistair Cook and Kevin Peterson is in terms of all-time English batting greats and if he can put a real market down in this series put a couple of hundreds down maybe even win a test or two as captain of England, then he'll sit comfortably alongside the greatest English cricketers of all time. And just in this first session this morning, it is oh so important. If they can not lose a wicket and eat into this 58-run deficit they still face, what sort of target do you think England might be satisfied with and, and really happy to the red-hot chance of winning the test in this second dig? What sort of lead do they want? I think they'll be looking for, for around 200. They're still, you know, 40-odd, 40-50 behind. 
so we need to eat away at that first. And then, look, England will be England will be trying to bat all day. There'll be no talk of any declaration. If you if you start hearing commentators talk about declaration, they're they're talking nonsense. England will be trying to bat all of today, and that will give them probably a 200 to 220, 240 run lead. And that's a real that's a real tricky chase on a day five deck especially with this one, it's still offering a little bit for the bowlers. It really flattened out in that last session here. So today it looks like it might be the best, the best day to bat on, which is unusual for day four to be the best day to bat on. But England will be, if they can bat all day today, which they'll be aiming for, that'll give them nearly a 250-run lead, which is a very, very tricky last day chase. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, how do you see it? What, what, what's your prediction as an expert? Does Nathan Lyon stand up, Justin? Well, he's going to have to. He's, how long have we been? We've been waiting for this 400 wicket for a few days now. Mm. He's been in the nervous, the nervous 390s, if you like, for nearly two years. It was January 2020 when he got his 390th wicket, and he's he's not bowling well. It's um, it feels just sort of he's just going through the motions. He's just putting it, it up forced, there outside of stump. Yeah, and every every single ball that Nathan Lyon bowls that England can work to the leg side, that's a bad ball. So if he's if he's doing that again, the Root and Milan were able to just work him, just place him, knock him off the singles ones and twos. If they can do that again today, then Australia are in a lot of trouble. Well, Justin, the short form of the game, I've been enjoying the start of the Big Bash overnight. The Melbourne Stars beating the Sydney Thunder. Adam Zampa, the Illawarra South Coast cricket product, helping the Stars prevail. Good to see Andre Russell. Dre Russ have his first outing for the Melbourne Stars. And it leads me on to our friends in the West, stripped of a test match because of their COVID approach and unlikely to host any um, big bash moving forward. Tonight, for example, the Scorchers play at the Sydney Showground, Matty. Mm. First ball, 9.30. They'll still be playing at the Sydney Showground at about 1 o'clock oh, tomorrow God. morning. This is quite a remarkable situation regarding Perth, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, it is. And uh, some, I don't want to get into politics too much. Some would say it's exactly what they deserve. But if you're <laughs> going to have a, you know, a hardline border stance where you know, everyone's got to jump through 55 hoops to be able to get into your state, then... Unfortunately, it's just not feasible for to, to be hosting professional cricket over there. And the, the WA sports minister, he has not held himself in a good light. He said the other week that uh, let's not blow this overboard. No, uh, no international teams toured the Eastern States last summer at all, which is just completely wrong. He obviously, as a sports minister, was not paying attention to one of the great test series of all time when Australia <laughs> and India played over there. And then... Uh, he said the Perth Scorchers had a great win in the WBBL final at the Wacker, and that game was at Optus Stadium. So Tony Booty, the honourable, in, in inverted commas, honourable sports minister for WA, <laughs> he's, uh, he's having a rough time in the last couple of weeks. Cricket's obviously <laughs> not his it. thing. I think I had a bit of fun the other night at Fox Sports News, Justin. I said, oh, it'll be the Sixers against the Thunder in the Big Bash <laughs> grand final. Let's play it now. Um, what, what have you liked in the early games of this Big Bash? Yeah, six is definitely the team to beat so far. And Moses Henriques is he's the informed player of the competition and he's he's doing well for New South Wales in the shield and it's he's found it a little bit bizarre that he's not in the test squad given he was in the squad all of last summer. But he's in he's in career best form at the moment. The Thunder, they weren't they were a bit disappointing last night. I feel like they're just lacking that one that one bit of star power. They've got Alex Hales, they've got Sam Billings, but I just think they're lacking a bowler, a real, a real key death bowler to wrap things up the way Adam Zampa did for the Stars last night. I like the Stars. The Stars were terrible in their first game, 
but they've added Stoinis, they've added uh, an Andre Russell, and that takes the pressure off a guy like Nick Larkin, who last night could get a 50 because the pressure's not on him because he's got Maxwell, Stoinis, and Russell in that batting lineup now. So I like I like the Sixers, I like the Stars for me. Are you excited, Justin, sitting in there at Fox Sports News for summer, covering the Big Bash, covering this Ashes series as we look to a start in play in day four? You must be as happy as a pig in mud. <laughs> yeah, mate, the most wonderful time of the year, not for any, not for any festivities. It's uh, just the cricket. <laughs> well, I can see the England batsmen about to head out to start day four. I better let you go and enjoy day four of the test from the Gabba. Justin, great to talk to you and continue the great work on Fox Sports News. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Enjoy the day. Thanks, Justin. You can catch Justin's work on Fox Sports News through Foxtel. And when it comes to the Western Australian government, you can't argue with the fact they've been able to keep COVID out. That's when right. you have a look at some of the exemptions that have been applied for and denied, it lacks humanity. It mm. just basically lacks humanity to keep uh, loved ones separated as some are dying, to deny parents who've lost a child over there any access to identify the body. It, it beggars belief. It denies humanity, in my opinion. And now that they complain that they're missing out on cricket, I say, well, you can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And luckily, the rest of Australia is jumping on board largely. Cricket South Australia told them to get stuffed when they suggested swapping the test series around. Mm. And now the Big Bash said, well, sorry, we're not going to worry about it. Perth, you can play elsewhere for the summer. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's each to their own in this space. And, you know, from my point of view, it's going to be a challenging time across all the all the states. And uh, and uh, we're, we're nowhere near out of COVID as it stands. Um, so so from our point of view, like it's, it's going to be changing cricket. It's going to be changing basketball. Just going to have to learn to live with it and uh, find ways to be safe. Well, Dory Kudahi is a proud owner of the Illawarra Hawks and he would have enjoyed watching them win game one. I don't know whether he's enjoyed the build-up to game two, but he joins us on the line. Dory, how are you feeling game morning against the Sydney Kings later this evening? Hey, Matt, how are you going? No, look, you know, uh, mate, well, yeah, we're definitely excited. I think we're definitely prepared for this uh, game as well. Give a bit more spice to it than normal, and I think, uh, you know, we're excited what we've done down at the Hawks and the Illawarra, and, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, tonight's clash. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dory, thanks for coming on. Um, pretty excited. Well, no, I spoke to you on the phone and we were talking about like what the build from last year, which was an exceptional year for year one from your point of view. And, and you know, Gorgian in there being able to now establish and recruit really well into year two. Um, the team looks really well, really good and, and well-rounded. You, you're happy with the way that recruitment went in the off-season? Uh, look, definitely. You know, it was exciting for us. And, you know, first and foremost, to sign Tyler up to a three-year agreement, uh, I think it's a testament to the club and, and what we're building on and off the court uh, to have a player of his calibre to come back and sign for threes, which we know and you would know, Matt, yourself, that uh, you know re retaining players that have a great year uh, is always a tough battle for Illawarra. So I think he started off with Taylor, Tyler coming back, which was a fantastic thing for us. And then also, you know, Justinian coming back. Um, I'm really excited about this team this year because, um, you know, I think we've got a much more well-rounded team uh, as a group, you know, bringing Xavier Wraith and Mays in. Uh, to play the point, AC can you know stretch the stretch the floor a little bit more than what Justin Simon did, uh, even though it was a great defender. Um, you know, our third game third game in together, uh, I think we had a really good uh, start against Adelaide as well. So I think you know you know you know people tip us to win the title, which is fantastic. It's, you know, we're not going to get caught up in the whole hype of things, but I think we've really put a good team together this year that will probably take us you know a couple of steps further.
Yeah, I think getting Harvey for three years, allowing the people of the Illawarra and South Coast to really buy into a player for an extended period of time is really important. Well done, Dory. And I love the fact that Cleveland's first bucket, that reverse jam, just <laughs> you know, wet the appetite for his athleticism during the season. I want to tackle the big issue head on early in the interview. Paul Smith labelled Illawarra scumbags and idiots. He then pointed to you, describing you as dismissive, loose with protocols and disrespectful to people around the league. How angry are you at Paul Smith? Well, look, you know, um, look, you know, I'm pretty disappointed with, you know, the, the, the personal slander and the attacks of my character. Uh, you know, 35 years uh, giving my life to the sport and the sport giving me so much. Uh, I think it's far from the truth. You know, I've got a very close relationship with Larry Kisselman and the entire NBL group. I was on the advisory board for the NBL for a number of years. Uh, but, I, you know, I've got the utmost respect for what the league has done and what they do and and, and myself personally, you know, you know, I've done a lot for that Illawarra community. I've done a lot for the Kings in the past. Um, I just think there's a bit of jealousy on his end and uh, insecurity in relation to what the Hawks are doing. And now that we're, you know we're relevant in New South Wales, and you know we're you know we're knocking goals not only commercially but I'm on the court. Um, you know, I, I would never lower myself to tactics like that on uh, and air it on, on public radio. I've you know I've always had discussions with him behind closed doors as well as you know with Chris Pongrass and. Go down that route, I think, is a bit. Uh, it's, it's a test of someone's character and what they're about. So um, I'll stay classy, and I've always been classy with what I do and how I protect myself. And I'll let him play in the mud with the pigs, but it's not, that's not me. Let me ask you a question this way: You've been involved with sport for a long, long time. Have you ever wanted to win a game more than you want Illawarra to beat Sydney tonight? Uh, <laughs> that's an understatement. Look, yeah, definitely. I, I think tonight's <laughs> going to be a lot more spice, <laughs> more than anything else. And look, you know, a great thing, it's Brian's 800th game uh, player and coach. Totally. Uh, and to come back yeah. into that stadium with Brian, which we both left the Kings together at, you know, 2007, 2008. Um, you know, having him up in the rafters. The, the year that we left, you know, it was the best record in the NBL history with 27 wins and three losses. You know, we were short on the, on the grand final win and having Gorge, having the, uh, the three-peats for the Kings and the only time they've ever won the championship. I think there's a lot of different scenarios, that's, you know, and things that sort of are going through a lot of emotions. I was with Gorgian last night for a glass of wine, watching the game and talking about the game tonight. And, you know, we're all excited. I think the players are um, extra excited tonight because I think there's a lot of sentiment and a lot of uh, excitement around, you know, what we want to do this year. And this is sort of uh, the next step. Is Gorge playing this rivalry down or sending the troops out with baseball bats this afternoon? Oh, no, he's going out with the baseball bats and balls, mate. He's not... Uh... He wants to win this as much as I do, and look, you know, for him, you know, he's always he's always been a guy that's been very motivated, and I think this has given him a lot more motivation as well. Um, you know, we, you know, I think everyone hates losing as well, but I think there's a lot more spice in in what we're trying to do here, and and you know, and calling our players, you know, all sorts of names, and you know, gorgeous talk offence today, and so did our players. Um, it's it's yeah, it's something that you know we're not getting caught up in the whole negativity of things I think we're going to just focus on winning and focus on what we're doing and you know if we win tonight it'd be fantastic to lose tonight it means nothing you know there's another another 28 games to go and it's what happens at the end of the season and the fact that we made the playoffs last year and they didn't um, uh, you know I think that would have sort of uh, ticked them off a bit more as well that you know little brother's sort of uh, grown up and and um, for our end you know we, we, we want to be the premier club in this state and I think we're making noise and doing that and that's what I think is triggering them off Oh, absolutely. I think and rub it in their face a little bit more, I think, Dory. I think the fact that, um, you know, we've been able to get to that level and, and tonight will be a showcase. There's no doubt that both teams will, will see this as a... This this will really set up the whole year for, for one of the teams. Whoever can get up tonight will be 
on top of you know the, they'll be on top of the ladder because they're, they're undefeated. But also, this is the grudge match. This is the teams that everyone's picked to do well this year. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot at stake, and uh, I think there'll be a lot of feeling, not just on the playing point of view from the ownerships that are sitting on the sideline and put a lot of effort in behind the scenes, but the fans. I, I'm looking forward to it from a fan point of view. Can't wait for that, and uh, pretty exciting. And hopefully, Dory, you're jumping up and down at the end of the game and giving a bit uh, <laughs> a bit across across that court. So good luck with it. Well, look, yeah. No, I appreciate it. I'm sure there'll be a lot of things lined up for me down there. So I'm going in there with uh, maybe some earmuffs on. I don't know what's going to happen. But look, you know, considering that a lot of the court, a lot of the historians of the Kings have come out and supported what I've done, not only for the history of the Kings, but also what I've done with the Hawks and what our club and our ownership group have done for the Hawks. Um, I know where the support is. Um, and to hear a lot of greats like Bob Turner, Mark Dalton, Dwayne McLean, uh, you know, just to name a couple, throw their name and what, what I've done within the sports, you know, it, it sort of makes me feel a little bit proud and, and um, you know, and that support's there for the Hawks now across across all of New South Wales, not just the Illawarra region now, which is fantastic for us. Well, Dory, I'd love to see you wear a loud shirt like your ownership rival tends to wear to the uh, <laughs> games and maybe out loud him with your shirts. But Dory Kodahi, owner of the Illawarra Hawks, uh, thank you for what you've done in building a really exciting roster. Congratulations on your round one win and good luck this afternoon against the traditional rivals, the Purple Filth, the Sydney Kings. Good on you, Dory. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it, guys. Uh, fantastic. Dory Kodahi, you love the roster and he should be proud of it, Matty. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting. It's, uh, you know, and, and good. We need a bit of this in sport. We absolutely. need it definitely in basketball. So, you know, hopefully the players take it out there and give it all on the, on the court. And it's a great game. So I'm really looking forward to it. 5.30 this hour. Characters, conflict, controversy. This game has it all. We'll have a news break and come back with more. Saturdays in the gong through SEN. To Hyundai, don't wait. City Motors, Hyundai has the perfect SUV in stock for you. Broadcasting live from the Wollongong Golf Club. This is Saturdays in the Gong. Also supported by One Agency Real Estate and Impact Garage Doors. Great supporters of the show already. Matt Campbell and Matt Russell with you. We've brought you Josh Carlson, mm. a mountain biking superstar on the world stage who set the scene for next year's World Road Championships hosted by Wollongong. It will be some event, giving us great exposure, bringing fantastic athletes to this region. And the CEO of Wollongong 22 is Stuart Taggart. He joins us on Saturdays in the Gong. Stuart, good morning to you. What an exciting day yesterday, announcing the course for this global event next September. Yeah, it was a really exciting milestone for our team and for the city of Wollongong. We've got um, an amazing nine months ahead of us. So it's great to be able to share all the work we've been doing behind the scenes with a lot of different people um, across New South Wales government and Wollongong Council and the International Federation. Yeah, so I've just looked at it. The Illawarra America, we've got a picture of that um, of the of the course itself, and it looks amazing. But um, we had, um, you know, we, we talked to Josh earlier today, talking about how technical it's going to be, and and having witnessed a, a, a few races in my in in person, knowing how fast they're going to go, is is are you looking for some of that spectacular stuff that you see on the Tour de France where they're falling off the side of the mountain? Is that <laughs> is that what the what that what is that what the course oh, to, well, uh, was we're, designed we're for? We're definitely hoping it's going to be very safe, but, you know, these are the world's best athletes, men and women, and they're going to be pushing the limits as, as far as they can technically on the course. I think what's really exciting about this event is the, the riders themselves will be going past many people's front yards, and um, many local businesses, many schools, the university. So it's a great way for the city to get involved and, and come out and, and watch these athletes fly by because they get up to... 70, 80 kilometres in parts of the course so that they're moving, to your point. And, you know, we're really looking forward to bringing them to Wollongong and showing them all we have to offer. 
Stu, it's a week-long event. We'll have time trial races, mixed relays, and then the road race. How many in total, when you look at the athletes and their support staff and the spectators, how many in total will visit the Illawarra for that week and around that week? Yeah, we have about 1,000, just over 1,000 athletes and officials coming to town. There's 11 world championship events, as you say, across time trial um, and road races. So the event itself is over eight days. We do have a rest day uh, during the week as well. So... You know, we're really looking forward to, to the, the spectators as well, the international media, the international broadcast who will come out and experiencing experiencing something that's really unique to Australia. So I guess with the, the last two years that we've all had and this region had um, bushfires um, pre-COVID as well, you know, for particularly the tourism and hospitality industry, we're really looking forward to welcoming the world to Wollongong. When it comes to the course that was named yesterday, I'm not going to run through every single suburb it visits, but it encapsulates this region magnificently. What is the one highlight that you think that is going to be absolutely sensational as we picture that on television being seen around the world? What's the best part of the, the, the circuits announced? Oh, wow, that's a great question. I think we've, <laughs> we've tried really hard to find a balance to showcase all the icons of the region and the city. I think um, the, the final weekend, if, if I had to narrow it down, will be spectacular in the context of bringing um, Seacliff Bridge and Bald Hill um, and Stanwell Tops into, into the mix. I think earlier in the week, we're going to kick off with a spectacular opening day. You know, we've coined it at Super Sunday for the first time ever, the elite men's and women's individual time trial. Um, we'll be on the city circuit around uh, through that North Wollongong corridor and through to Flagstaff Hill. So that'll kick us off with uh, with that on the first day with, with the individual time trial. They're the, probably the two highlights, if you could spare me um, two things from my point of view, if I had to narrow it down. Yeah, it, and, and from I'm obviously from your point of view, so exciting from the city point of, uh, to have it here in the Illawarra and having it at Wollongong. But yeah, is, is the focus going to be around like the people coming or is the focus the event? Is it, or is it a mixture of both? Is, do you give a certain percentage either way? Is it is it the professional cyclists that we really want to adhere to or is it, is it the spectacle and the tourism that we're after? Yeah, I guess it's a balance. We're, we're, we, we talk a lot about being a community-led event. If we get that community advocacy, there's obviously some disruption around the event, but if people feel part of it, they really embrace it. So that's important to us. We want to be operationally flawless. We want the athletes to have the best stage to perform at their best, and we want it to be spectacular. Um, and the last part is being legacy-focused. So we're doing a lot of great work with the New South Wales government um, and Wollongong City Council. We got an exciting announcement yesterday from the federal government of an additional $5 million of funding to really help us leverage the event across Australia. So it's been a great 24 hours for us and we look forward to you know, sharing more of the story and the journey with you over the next nine months. Yeah, speaking with... Uh, Josh Carlson, and, and he's a Bike City ambassador for Wollongong, and now speaking with you, Stu. I'm sure our listeners are starting to get an idea, if they didn't have already, just how big an event this will be and the benefits for this region will be out of it. So I know you've got a busy 12 months ahead. Thanks for joining us this morning on Saturdays in the Gong. We'll talk often, I dare say, in the lead-up to the event next year. Uh, good luck going forward. Uh, the start of a busy, busy year, I'm sure. No, I really appreciate the support, and, yeah, thanks for having us on today.
Stu Taggart there, Wollongong 22 CEO. And if you don't have a picture of how big an event this will be for Wollongong after this morning's show, then you haven't been listening because this will be big for the gong, Matty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so, so extraordinary that we can get an event of this scale here in the Illawarra, not only you know, anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere. It's just amazing that it's such a big event. And I don't think we really appreciate how big it's going to be. So really excited to see it and uh, can't wait for it. Okay, time for a break on Saturdays in the Gong. When we return, we're going to talk real estate. We'll find out how much Maddie Campbell's mansion on the beach is worth. Stay with us. <laughs> Experience luxury like no other with the team at Mercedes-Benz Wollongong. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. at the moment the sun but um, yeah it's looking nice with a nice strong southerly blowing today. Big week for Wollongong Golf Club and especially a couple of your juniors. Yes we just got back from Sydney where we had the state age championships at Penrith and also the New South Wales junior championships at Linwood and we had about I think it was seven or eight juniors representing the club so had some very good results with uh, young Mimi Thompson winning her age category. So she's the state champion in the 12 years girls. Oh, wow. That's phenomenal. Um, her sister uh, took out the 13 years girls, and she also finished ninth overall, um, wow. com- competing against 17-year-olds as well. So, um, And my son, Charlie, he did very well. He finished runner-up in the boys. So um, on the last hole, lost by one shot. So, oh. How old's Charlie? He's 10. So, okay. yeah, he was in the 10 and unders. and So, yeah, very close to having three state champions all from Wollongong, which is, you know, Feather in the cap for the club. How close has Charlie got to Dad during a round? He, uh, he someone's been talking to you, haven't they? <laughs> he actually beat me last Saturday off the stick. I had, <laughs> I had, I didn't have my best day, but he had a 77 and I had a 78, so he got me. And he... But no, I remember talking about it last week when you were showing me some tips and when, when I was out on the golf course yeah. here, and uh, you said he could hit a ball and he has no fear, but to actually get you off the stick, wow, that's a, a slippery slope. Does that cost you a month of McDonald's every Saturday or what? <laughs> yeah, like I, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, I knew it was going to happen, but it's a little sooner than I wanted. <laughs> yeah, at 10, yeah, absolutely. So, oh, phenomenal. How good is it that, um, you know, from the golf club point of view, that you've got that talent coming through? And it, and it is traditionally not known as a sport for juniors. It is a little bit difficult to get into. Um, yes. Just purely based on time, I assume, and, and people not knowing really how to do it. So if there is people out there listening who want to get their kids involved, how do they do it? Yeah, look, you're right. Um, it's, it's pretty tough competing against the, the footy codes and so, so forth. They put a lot of money into their sports. But, mm. but there is certainly avenues for, for kids, and, and especially here at Wollongong. So we have a, uh, a fantastic program that's uh, greatly supported by um, members who sponsor them. Um, our pros here have done a fantastic job raising $20,000 to help support families and, and parents to, so it's more affordable to get their kids into golf. Um, we have right through from grass uh, roots level right through to the elite level. We have an excellent program. So we have uh, generally in January, we normally have a, a come and try kids uh, golf day, which has been a little bit hampered with COVID and that over the last mm. year or so. But um, we'll be looking to try and schedule one of those come and try free kids golf days. And off that, um, we have uh, three, three uh, clinics a week uh, where we can sort of put them into suitable category, suitable level of skill, and and they go through those programs. They're usually six-week programs during while school's on, and then they progress from there to joining the club and you know Wonder. getting a handicap. And so there's a real progression and a real um, you know avenue for them to to do what um, our current junior uh, 
juniors are doing. We're speaking with Greg Kerr, the astute and affable club pro here at Wollongong Golf Club. So astute, so affable. He's even been able to help you with your golf swing, Matt Campbell. It needs a lot of work, but I'm getting there. So Your clubs are due in about four weeks. They'll be here, Matt, so you'll be happy to hear that. After Christmas, there'll be a belated Christmas present for you. But, um, look, Matt's got a lot of ability. He, he's, he can hit a ball, so... Look out, we'll see him on the leaderboard there in the clubhouse Shouldn't very surprise soon. surprise the three-point <laughs> sharpshooter from a different era. <laughs> the Illawarra Hawks now turning to golf. And just very quickly before we let you go, Monday, a big charity event here at Wollongong yes. Golf Club. Can people still get involved? Uh, certainly. The, the day's booked out for golf, but certainly come down. We have a putting contest. We have a long drive contest. We have a, a nearest pin contest. So if you want to try and have a shot at that, by all means, come down and bring your families down. Um, it will be a good day. The weather's going to be good, so... Uh, it is, for those who don't know, it's the, the longest day. It's a 72-hole event, uh, so players will be here from 5.30 in the morning till 6 o'clock that night, so it's a very you know, long day, but it, that's, that's what it's all about, is, is showing how tough you are and, and raising money for a fantastic course. Good luck on Monday. Thanks for your patience with my co-host. We'll talk to you again soon. Greg Kerr, the club pro here at Wollongong Golf Club. A break, and then we're back to wrap it up. <laughs> 639 square metre block. Picturesque, right between Kiraville Village and Gwynville Village. Sounds lovely. choice. And, mate, and are, you still, are you still bubbling along nicely or is the market slowing very quickly? No, we're still cruising along. If it's a good house on a good block, it's still really popular and it's competitive. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got a good, strong run up to Christmas. Lots of new stock coming on. Things selling prior to auction. It's all happening. We'll talk again next week. Goodbye. Saturday's in the gong. Lovely, guys. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.